Hello and welcome to the State of Shakespeare. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And today on the program we have Zuzana Shatkovsky. Welcome, Zuzana. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for being here. Zuzana Shatkovsky played Dorada in the CW's hit drama series Gossip Girl. She can be seen as Nurse Pell on the Cinemax series from Steven Soderbergh's The Nick. Her off-Broadway theater credits include Queens at LCT3, Peter Pan with Bedlam, The Comedy of Errors as part of the Public Theater's mobile Shakespeare unit, and Nora and Delia Efron's Love, Loss, and What I Wore. She has a BA from Barnard College and an MFA in acting from the ART MXAT Institute at Harvard, and she is currently appearing in Bedlam's Uncle Romeo Vanya Juliet here in New York City. So we've had guests from Bedlam on before, and Bedlam is, is one of the one of the theater companies in New York that's getting an awful lot of buzz for doing very experimental and very impactful work. But this is this is something completely new. Oh yes, this is something nobody has ever seen before. <laughs> <I'm> really <laughs> taking a risk here. So tell us about it. What is this mashup of Romeo and Juliet and Uncle Vanya, and how does it work? Well. You know, um, Eric Tucker, who's directing us and conceived of the idea, originally wanted to do Uncle Vanya. He had that on his mind for a while, and then he wanted to do Romeo and Juliet in ref, because that's something that Bedlam does a lot. So he had kind of felt like those two plays were simpatico, and he was interested in pairing them. And then as he started to kind of work on it, I think he had a um, sort of revelation that there are these themes and, and sort of moments of action that pop out that kind of parallel each other in both stories. <laughs> so then he just took the risk and decided we were going to smush them into one play, which is exactly what we did. So we took basically an eight-week rehearsal period, which is pretty good for an off-Broadway sh- show. Yeah. So we really got to get in there and like dig around and try to figure out what this thing was going to be that we were going to make. So essentially what we've kind of landed on is, even for people who will come to see it, it is... You know, you're getting two plays in one, five actors, and the plays sort of work, you could say, to illuminate each other. And we're kind of looking at the world of Uncle Vanya, looking at these characters of Uncle Vanya who are sort of lovelorn and also inactive and live with a lot of regret and heaviness. And then they kind of have this opportunity to transform into characters from Romeo and Juliet that are, in a way, contrast that. So these characters are very active and passionate and, you know, do what they want and go for it and kill themselves and and do all this stuff Mm -hmm. that the characters in Vanya don't do. So you kind of have... uh, It's hard to explain. (laughs) (laughs) Does does the action shift from one play to the other sort of serially, or are they happening simultaneously? Is it a mixture of There are some moments where they happen simultaneously, but most, um, most clearly I can say that it's sort of like we're in the world of Uncle Vanya and then all of a sudden from the point of view of Vanya he becomes a Romeo and we see him play out his sort of Romeo fantasy with his Juliet which in the Uncle Vanya world is Yelena because here he has this unrequited love so then it's it's like all of a sudden he gets to almost dream or fantasize about being Romeo to his Juliet so we sort of veer into the world of R&J for a minute and then we kind of come back into Vanya and then have another moment where we're seeing Romeo and Juliet through the eyes of Yelena and She's Juliet, but her Romeo is Astroff from Uncle Vanya. And so you see, we kind of end up showing you the the meeting of Romeo and Juliet, the palm-to-palm scene, the um, balcony scene, the murder of Tybalt and all of everything that follows. You'll see that in our play, but you see it sort of in moments that come out of relationships in Uncle Vanya. So it is an interesting experiment because I think we originally thought, okay, let's how can we do both plays at the same time? (laughs) 
And then what we ended up with, as Eric likes to say, is we no longer have Uncle Vanya or Romeo and Juliet or Uncle Vanya and Romeo and Juliet. We have a new third play. (laughs) So it's composed of pieces of both. And the architecture, the sort of skeleton of the play is more the story of Uncle Vanya. But you do get most, I mean, we kind of hit most of the stuff in Romeo and Juliet. We don't have, we don't have everything, but we have a lot. We've managed somehow to to get it in there. And the other elements are being drawn in as well. There are uh, pop culture references being drawn in, and it's not strictly limited to Romeo and Juliet and Uncle Vanya. Yeah, something Uncle about Vanya's... total eclipse of the heart. Oh yes, we do have. That. Well, <laughs> the Uncle Vanya adaptation is written by Kimberly Powell, who is is actually the managing director of Bedlam, and she's also a playwright. And she, what we did was we commissioned a um, translator to do a literal translation in the Russian. And then from that translation, Kimberly worked to make her own contemporary translation of Uncle Vanya. So it's a very contemporary language, very sort of easy and free and a great adaptation on its own. I think it's really fun to play. And mm-hmm. so because of that, and as we explore that world, we are able to have these moments. There's a scene in Uncle Vanya where Yelena and Sonia turn on some music. <laughs> and mm-hmm. in our play, we turn on the radio and we get a total eclipse of the heart and we get to sort of rock out and express ourselves before our, our urges get stomped on by the professor who tells us to be quiet. So in those moments, it's fun because we get total eclipse of the heart. We have a little bit of Avalon by Roxy. We have (laughs) some fun, we have fun music and fun sort of contemporary feeling and, you know, great verse and sort of huge emotional palette that we get to play with because we also have Romeo and Juliet. So it's certainly unlike any normal Chekhov play because, I mean, one way to think about it too is that we have an opportunity to sort of play the subtext or inner monologue of these Chekhovian characters, you know, with the language of Shakespeare. So they're, in well, essence, you know, a possibility to really blow up their sort of inner lives by kind of going into Romeo and Juliet. That's one way to think about it. One of the reviews that I read says that Chekhov's characters become the foundation from mm-hmm. which you, the actors, can vault into Shakespeare's verse and heights. And when you do that, we see your souls expand, and then these wild flights <laughs> make their landings back in Uncle Vanya, back in a world much more like ours, where people don't kill their rivals or die for love <laughs> or burn out gloriously, but simply keep on aging, hurting, and living. And I think that's really an interesting contrast. Oh, yes. It's great. And it, it feels so, you know, as, as an actor, it's a really wonderful opportunity because you can create these Chekhovian characters and kind of flesh those out. And then you get to you take all that bottled up stuff and fly into verse. There's one other thing that's interesting about the mashup itself, which is our cast. There are five of us and we are, you know, kind of middle aged, you could say, for lack of a better word. None of us are young enough to be in Romeo and Julia and none of us are really old enough to be some of the older characters and Uncle Vanya. And so one of the things that Eric Tucker was interested in is this idea of how people who are jaded, who have fallen out of love, who have felt all sort of the feelings of adult life, you know, how those people can inhabit the world of Romeo and Juliet. And so that to me is one of the most satisfying things as an actor of this mashup is that I am playing Elena in the world of Vanya and I'm playing Juliet and I'm about to have my big 40th birthday in two weeks. So, <laughs> so it's <laughs> congratulations. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but here I am playing Juliet and it's to me really interesting to look at the, especially those speeches and those, you know, the relationship between Romeo and Juliet and how the, and the language that Juliet uses that sort of passionate hopefulness <laughs> coming out of the sort of body and mindset of Yelena, I think is really interesting. I think what the audience gets is something that they haven't seen before. And I think it's a really cool way to hear Romeo and Juliet, which is a play I've always really liked and have seen a million times. And I feel like the stuff just comes out much differently out of our mouths, you know? 
So obviously, this is a very unique take on Chekhov. And for someone who's a, a, a Chekhov lover like you, does it feel in any way transgressive? You know, you know what? It doesn't because I think there is a inherent Russianness in Chekhov that it, when Americans are making Chekhov, that we're missing something in the equation. You know, because we're not. It's not our cultural language. It's, I don't know. There are all these all these universal human themes. I think in in Chekhov, but there's also this other thing that I feel like we kind of put Shakespeare in there <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and made it our own. And I think there's something about a really great production of Uncle Vanya where you feel like the actors are inhabiting it in such a way that it is just coming out of them. I feel like a, there's some kind of a equation with Chekhov that you can get just right. And I think that what we did and with our adaptation and then also by by sort of redigesting it and changing its metabolism by adding this Romeo and Juliet is that we're able to step inside and create it anew, which is, I think, maybe the best way to get at Uncle Vanya. <laughs> you know, I, when I had the all the Russian teachers, the artistic director who recently passed away from the Moscow Art Theater, Oleg Tabakov, is like one of Russia's greatest actors. And he came and taught us a master class. And he, we worked actually on Uncle Vanya. We worked on a scene. The girls did Sonia. And then the men did Astrof and Vanya sort of sitting there and they're having a drunken conversation. And I remember that we got about 10 minutes into the class before he just stopped everything. And he spent the rest of the three hours teaching us how to drink vodka because he was like, you guys are not, <laughs> like, he's like, you can't do the play. You can't be drinking these shots in this fake way. And he was like, you go, you guys don't understand what it's like to drink vodka. So he had a, <laughs> and that is brilliant. Russian sensibility. He was like, you guys were blowing it as step one. But yeah, so I feel like that, yeah, it's definitely a, some sort of sacrilege. I think there's something special about it. We have a, a wonderful man named Isaac who is working with Bedlam and he kind of is our consultant, our Russian consultant. <laughs> and he has been sitting in rehearsal and he's such a passionate theater goer, theater lover and new to New York from Moscow. And he told us the other day that he thinks that Chekhov would really like what we've done because he says that he, what he sees us trying to do is trying to um, land things with the audience in a way that he feels like is more like the essence uh, of that Chekhov should have than a lot of the stuff that he sees the Chekhov that Americans make. So I think that by challenging ourselves in this weird way where it's been Bedlam's mission statement that they like to prioritize the immediacy in the relationship with the audience. And I think by doing that, making this crazy weird thing that we are, we're having that experience in the room. I find it really fascinating because, you know, there's those people who say that Shakespeare has no uh, subtext. And by using Shakespeare as a Chekhovian inner monologue, I think that's brilliant because that's what your inner monologue is, right? No subtext. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I think it is. That's the cool thing. And I think we're, I mean, we're trying it. You know, and I, I will say, like, you know, it's an imperfect thing that we've made and it's a real experiment. And it's in a way we ask the question, like, can these two plays live together? And the answer is not a resounding absolutely yes, but the experiment is really worth it for that very reason that you're saying, because there is something really electric about playing Shakespeare in that way, like letting it be the, you know, the subtext inner monologue of these other characters. Yeah. Some of the productions of Chekhov that I've enjoyed the most really, really are funny. Very, very funny. Yes. And I've seen enough to know that it feels like that's right, that as as world-weary as Chekhovian characters can be, there's a there's a great sense of humor about it. But I've never seen a very funny production of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's an interesting point you bring up because it, it, our adaptation of Chekhov, I think that Kimberly Powell really leaned into the comedy. And we're having fun on stage, too. I think that we get a lot of laughs, especially in the Chekhov. 
And then what happens by sticking Romeo and Juliet with it, actually what we learned by the, when we brought it in front of an audience, because we didn't feel this in the rehearsal room, is that really we're doubling the tragedy. <laughs> so when we get to act two of our play, we're kind of with, you know, it's like Romeo has killed Tibble and everything's going downhill for <laughs> R and J. And then in the world of Chekhov, we're sort of coming to a climax and then everyone's sort of being left in their misery. So we kind of accidentally doubled the tragedy, which is one of the kind of, in a sense, one of the most interesting um, parallels, which is why Eric was drawn to put the two plays side by side, was that, you know, you have in the world of Uncle Vanya, these characters are sort of left to a slow death. <laughs> like If you're looking at Vanya specifically, the play ends with these, you know, he's just sitting in this cubicle for the rest of his life, just dying. And so in Romeo and Juliet, you have this like, <laughs> passionate, active, energized suicide. So in a way, by butting the plays up together, you're seeing him die twice. It's kind of cool because you, um, I mean, one of the things I, I thought about from the beginning was that our play is, it's kind of like, what if Romeo and Juliet didn't go through with it and then they had to grow up and live and then sit in an office for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know which is worse. <laughs> yeah. So I think, so there's something about it where we're definitely exploring the, um, you know, the, tra the tragedy in that way. <laughs> but I think there is something funny actually about, I don't think there's a lot of funny Romeo and Juliet. And I think ours is maybe a little funnier because of we're playing those parts and because of the way with the, the story mashes up, we get some funny moments the death of Tybalt is one that comes to mind because we definitely need to kill Tybalt and Romeo and Juliet in order to tell the story of Romeo and Juliet. You need that moment. And so in Uncle Vanya, the Vanya shoots at the professor and misses. So we kind of, in our world, the two stories collapse on each other in that moment. So in essence, it's like Vanya shoots the professor and the professor dies as Tybalt. So it's kind of like you have either Vanya shoots Tybalt or, <laughs> or the it's a complicated moment, but it always gets a laugh because it's so ridiculous. And it's one of those great things where if you can make the really heightened moments of Romeo and Juliet where really bad stuff happens are also funny moments in Uncle Vanya. And those two things can exist at once. I think we're doing like a magic trick there. You don't know whether to laugh or, or, or cry or be horrified. Yeah, because we commit, we're committing. So like people laugh because Tybalt dies, and then ten seconds later, we're in, we're keening our faces off, you know, <laughs> and really having like going all the way into the world of Romeo and Juliet and not backing off of the life and death stakes. So there is something comedic about just that approach, and you know, is a weird sensation for the audience. <laughs> so, the, the speech that you've chosen to to share with us today is mm -hmm. from Romeo and Juliet. It's yes. Juliet's speech. It's from. Act three, scene two. So maybe we should get the context for for where that how, how this works in Romeo and Juliet first, and then hear it, and then we'll we'll see how it fits into the into the Vanya story. Does that make sense? Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we have in Romeo and Juliet. You know, Juliet is is waiting for her Romeo and for her big night. <laughs> her, her, her big night as a wife and the sort of I mean, to me, this is the reason I picked this is because it's the one that gets at all of that because I am, you know, here I am, forty years old, waiting for my <laughs> my night of um, becoming a woman. So this really. is this is the night where they're going to consummate their yeah. passion. All of the, they've worked it out secretly to 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 make put all the things in place so that they can have the secret stolen night of of passion, passion. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> and in this moment she's it's just before she's waiting for romeo to arrive and this, this scene is set 
gallop apace, you fiery-footed steeds, toward Phoebus' lodging. Such a wagoner's phaeton would whip you to the west and bring in cloudy night immediately. I'll spread thy close curtain, love-performing night, that runaway's eyes may wink, and Romeo leap to these arms untalked of and unseen. Lovers can see to do their amorous rites by their own beauties. Or if love be blind, it best agrees with night. Come, civil night, thou sober-suited matron, all in black, and learn me how to lose a winning match played for a pair of stainless maidenhoods. Hood my unmanned blood bathing in my cheeks with thy black mantle till strange love grow bold. Think true love acted simple modesty. Oh, come night, come Romeo, come thou day and night, for thou wilt lie upon the wings of night, whiter than new snow upon a raven's back. Come, gentle night, come loving black-browed night, and give me my Romeo. And when I shall die, take him and cut him out in little stars, and he shall make the face of heaven so fine that all the world will be in love with night and pay no worship to the garish sun. Oh, I have bought the mansion of a love, but not possessed it. And though I'm sold, not yet enjoyed. That's it. <laughs> no, great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Where does this fall in Uncle Romeo, Vanya, Juliet, which I love saying? <laughs> yes, it falls. So here's what happens in our thing. So I'm <laughs> so basically in, in Uncle Vanya, you have Sonia comes to Yelena and and tells her that, you know, her heart is breaking and she's in love with Astroff and, you know, she's distraught. And and basically Yelena agrees that she'll speak to Astroff on Sonia's behalf and says, you know, I'll find out if he loves you or not. And then Sonia leaves to go get Astroff and Yelena has this moment alone where she basically reveals to the audience in a soliloquy that wow, it's a difficult situation because she knows Astroff doesn't love Sonia and she's kind of hot for Astroff. And then she kind of, in the course of this soliloquy, basically cops to the audience and to herself that she's going, you know, she's going to sort of follow her heart and, you know, let herself have these feelings with Astroff and she's going to have this kind of conversation with him. So it's like she's basically making the decision that she's going to betray Sonia and she's she's going to live for once in her life and, She's battling with herself, but Astroff is on his way in. So that's the scene when we were rehearsing. We th thought this is kind of the place for Gallop a Pace because it's, in essence, in our play, we're not, we don't have Juliet, uh, the virgin, and Romeo, the, you know, <laughs> virgin teen. Like right. we, what we have are adults kind of grappling with unrequited love or, you know, grappling with these passions. And so in our play, Gallop a Pace serves similarly and she's anticipating Astroff's entrance but she's also anticipating what she's about to do which is not lose her virginity but but she's about to become an adulterer in some small sense and so the all of that Im the imagery I think about night in the speech for me it's really interesting when I'm performing it to it's very easy to translate into my adult mindset <laughs> so yeah, we talk about maiden. I talk about maidenhoods in the speech, but I think the idea of night hiding this, you know, hooding the blood baiting in my cheeks, and and this idea of losing virginity becomes in the, our adult context losing 
innocence because I think Elena has been a good wife to her husband and this is the first time she's going to let herself go a little bit or she's like, you know, experimenting with flirtation with, you know, she's walking the knife's edge here with Astroff, letting herself have these feelings. Yeah, so it's an interesting parallel and I think kind of works the same way in both stories. And it's a way that we're sort of using Romeo and Juliet and making it our own and like translating it into our story. So I think it's a great example of what we're doing throughout the whole piece. Yeah, it's fascinating because, you know, if you think about Shakespeare uses so many metaphors. And if you think about the metaphor of maidenhood as just a new experience. Yes. Right. And so yes. this is a new experience in, in the sense, but with a sexual bent, but still something like you're anticipating with the same kind of anticipation you might do losing your virginity, but it's a totally different ball game. <laughs> yeah. And it has darkness to it that, you know, yeah. is it really there within Juliet, which is where I think that happens in almost all of our <laughs> speeches and our Shakespeare and our plays that you're bringing some kind of ugly baggage from <laughs> from Uncle Vanya from the world of jaded adulthood. And mm. I think that's what makes it interesting and relatable to an audience in a new way. In this imaginary moment, which of the playwrights do you think speaks more authentically to your experience as a woman? <laughs> well, I think, I don't know. I think that I find something in both. And then the, that's why the combination, I think, sits in a good place in my heart when I'm performing in our play. Because I think that idea... It's that feeling of that crushing, soul-crushing, like, excitement, can't breathe love, you know, that we have to keep chasing as actors in Romeo and Juliet. It's such a fun, it's a feeling I know and I think everybody can identify with. And that part of me is really, it's sort of something that I, it feels really good to go there and to revisit that feeling. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, and, not, it's not something that as, as people that are approaching middle age, we, we, we often get to experience is it yeah and it's like you know i have um love in my life and i you know i have that i know that feeling you know what the first moment felt like what the moment i knew it was gonna happen felt like you know all those wonderful moments and like to play that every night on stage is really really magical and then the um also as an actor this is just a side note about me which is that i've my whole career, ever since I was a kid, I was playing character roles. So the idea of being an ingenue and just being able to experience those feelings with an audience in front of an audience is new to me. <laughs> I've always been the old curmudgeon or the, you know, comic relief or whatever. So standing on stage the nurse. Trying, the nurse yeah, at, the nurse, the nurse so, at 19 and then Juliet at 39. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And so, you know, I was the nurse when I was <laughs> 17. You know, so the kind of bringing that feeling up in myself is like, this is, I'm ha I think this is part of why I'm so happy doing this play and feel all kind of new feelings, you know? <laughs> and similarly with the Yelena, I feel like that's a character I really identify with too, because she's just, you know, I, I think all of us have traps that we've put ourselves in. And to me, when I first started working on this, the role of Yelena, it, it's not like she's just some hot girl who's, <laughs> you know, just kind of traipsing around. I think she's super insecure and she gets her worth in ways from the people around her, from how she's defined in her relationships. And in our play, the sort of her role in Uncle Vanya, where she's, she's got this husband, she's got this love interest in the doctor. And then because of the Romeo and Juliet parallel, we're really heightening her relationship with Vanya in that there's some sort of, not only is he sort of in love with her and she's like annoyed by him the way it is in a lot of versions of Uncle Vanya, but in our play, there is some sort of a deep friendship there that gives her something really important. 
as a woman. So it's like she has basically three guys that she loves in different ways in, in the play that also kind of, you know, oppress her or um, define her in ways against her own will in the play, too. So it's like she's super Juliet in that way that she's like mm. defined as a love interest. And so I think that playing that that moment where Yelena waits for Astroff is it's a different shade of the same color, that feeling that Juliet feels. So it's almost like kind of playing the beginning and the end of an experience. Yeah. And the time. idea of like, not to use a pun, but the idea of unbridled anticipation. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's what I'm finding so interesting too. in in this process is I, I'm a little, you know, I'm super jaded, sarcastic, <laughs> you know, I think I'm pretty dry and I, you know, I don't often go on flights of fancy or sort of just like whole hog jump off the building emotionally, you know what I mean? And so like when I can get inside of those moments, it feels really like I'm just opening myself up and I guess it's, you know, why be an actor, you know, to have these kind of Mm -hmm. great transformative moments for me. And I think that when I get the Juliet stuff, right in those little moments i can feel a connection with the audience especially the women in the audience in a really good way i mean that's so interesting because one of our questions was going to be playing a middle-aged juliet what do you learn and i think you've just really eloquently said that yeah it's huge and it's like feels good and i think that in a way what we're doing in this play what we've done is we've almost taken the shakespeare as actors thrown ourselves into that and it's helping us find things in the Chekhovian characters. So because I'm Juliet, because I'm basically saying that there's a part of Yelena that's Juliet, and if I'm committing entirely and going down the road as Juliet, and then I come back to a moment of Yelena's, like I'm inevitably changed. Like some, I'm definitely fuller and have a new understanding of you know what makes her up, which I think is really nice, and it's right for Chekhov. Like it's the right way to do Chekhov. <laughs> well, this this wouldn't be a State of Shakespeare podcast if we didn't get a little bit nerdy about the text. So I have a text, <laughs> I have a text related question for okay. you. And and it has to do with one of the most famous excerpts from this speech. And for those of us who are following along with with the text on our website, it starts at line 21 and it's give me my Romeo. And in the version that we have, it says give me my Romeo and when he shall die, take him and mm-hmm. cut him out in little stars. And in the version that you just read, there's, there's a change there. And I wonder if you could comment on that. Well, the I shall die is from the Oxford. When I first learned that I was doing he, and I, I had always heard he, but I think I don't have like the nerdy text answer as to like what the root of the difference is. <laughs> but I know that playing it, I is more active for me because in a way this experience is in, it's entirely in, internal and it's, I feel like, you know, in these kind of moments of really heightened, like, anticipation, lust, love, passion, the other person is almost interchangeable. (laughs) It's a feeling, like, you know, and so I feel like to follow it through, uh, give me Romeo, give me this moment, this is how it's going to change me, is more important, it's more playable, actually. But, yeah, the I came from the Oxford. That's great. I, I think the best audience that we have for this play are the ones that are super Shakespeare nerds because then they get like a kick out of it you know with the the little shifts that we do and they think oh it's so cool how they did that there or wow they're gonna do that now you know and I <laughs> so you can feel the energy off of those people and like those are the same people that I think their ear hits on something that we're doing that's a little different than what they're used to and then it's like a nice little jolt <laughs> for those lucky Shakespeare nerds who can still get a ticket yeah where is the show happening it's happening at a space called ART New York which is 
is a really beautiful new theater on 53rd between 10th and 11th. And, um, you know, they can get tickets at, at Bedlam's website, which is bedlam.org, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, it goes through October 28th? October 28th, yeah. And it's, I mean, we would love to have as many Shakespeare nerds as possible. <laughs> 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 you know, but we're going to be irreverent, playful, maybe wrong sometimes, but we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're trying something on for size and we're going to try it out wholeheartedly and just go in 100%, you know, which is, I think, all you can really ask for from a, <laughs> a troupe of performers. Absolutely, 100%. Well, congratulations on this really exciting production. We can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. And thank you uh, so much for spending some time talking with us today. I really appreciate it, and thank you for letting me talk about my exciting new Roll. <laughs> yeah, rolls. My role is the wrapped into one. Well, I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And thank you for listening to The State of Shakespeare. Zuzana, that was fantastic. Oh my God, you make me want to see this play. Oh, good. Yeah, come to the <laughs> Thanks for joining us for the State of Shakespeare podcast. We invite you to visit stateofshakespeare.com for more episodes, information about each of our guests, and the Shakespeare text you heard on the program, and much more. And we welcome you to join the discussion by liking us on Facebook. That's www.stateofshakespeare.com. Thanks for listening.